welcome to this edition of Over the Top. In case you didn't hear, the balance of power in North London continues to shift towards Tottenham. Okay, just had to throw that in there, but all banter aside, on this episode, we'll be reviewing Match Week 11, answering some listener questions, and talking about the final week of the Champions League group stage. There's a lot to get to, so let's just jump straight into it. I'm Kyle. I've got my man Justin here. What's up, Kyle? I mean, you can't resist bringing up Tottenham being top of the table, can you? I mean, I I really don't understand what is to celebrate. You beat a bottom table team. I don't think it's that that much to celebrate. It felt that way, didn't it? It felt like a top four team versus a 14th place team, didn't it? It was weird, man. Man, you're trying to bait me. I mean, it, it was weird. I guess let's just jump straight into our first game. Tottenham beat Arsenal 2-0 over the weekend. And just jumping into exactly what you were saying, Kyle, is it just... They, like I was telling you before the show, it almost feel like a Mourinho masterclass a little bit, where Arteta seemed out of his depth and how to attack Tottenham and break down their defense and their counterattacking style, Kyle. Yeah, I just, I thought it was really weird how, you know, even taking my Spurs head off, I was really surprised at how much Arsenal played into Spurs' hands. I mean, you knew what Mourinho was going to do, and... Like, it didn't even matter that Arsenal had, what was it, like 68% possession, like twice as many passes. Uh, I think Spurs had only 0.5 expected goals and Arsenal had one expected goal. Um, I mean, all the stats went towards Arsenal, but if you were watching the game, you know, I remember Yoris making one nice save on a Lacazette header. And other than that, I mean, he could have been reading a book or something all game. I mean, this, this Arsenal team didn't penetrate at all. Uh, they looked vulnerable going back. Spurs didn't even need to attack that much. It's just, it was weird. I expected a lot more from Arsenal and Arteta, and putting my Spurs hat back on. I mean, I've, I've never felt so comfortable in a North London derby as a Spurs fan, like ever. I mean, the bus was firmly stationed and parked in that second half, right? I mean, yep. couldn't have a bigger bus in front of the goal, and man, just a lot of disappointment. I guess let's start on the positive. I mean, how can you go anywhere without mentioning Sun Hung Min, Kyle? I mean, what a freaking goal that was. Golazo. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I mean, what have you been doing if you haven't seen that goal? That was like the perfect FIFA, like, R1 shot from distance. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had those, like, once every 15 games or something. And, oh, man, it was just it was perfect. His finishing was just top class. Yeah, I mean, that, that goal generated 0. .0 uh, expected goals rounded, so that tells you everything you need to know about that one there. Uh, and then Harry Kane getting in on the action as well. So Sun assisting Kane, Kane assisting Sun. Two more for the dynamic duo. Uh, combined goals, they have way more than Arsenal, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, they have like 13 combined goal. Uh, uh, more than goal that. Action. I mean, Sun has 10 alone, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess that's true. Yeah, it, it seems like all of Kane's assists in the Premier League have gone with Son. So uh, that, that puts him, what, maybe four goals behind the Lampard-Drogba connection in Premier League history. I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll break it this season. But, man, yeah, those two were just excellent. But also excellent, I felt, you know, Arsenal did have some chances, but Pierre-Emil Hoiberg and Spurs' defense. I mean, there was one play where, I, I remember Toby getting a good block on Aubameyang, and Aubameyang just like didn't even look like he was ever going to have a sniff. And yeah. that back line was just excellent, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Toby like 
handled that situation so well on that one-on-one with Aubameyang. And we'll get to Aubameyang in a second. But ever since week one, Kyle, where Hoiberg looked really poor against Everton, he's been really good. And, you know, first game, I mean, there's a lot to adjust to and your new teammates and a competitive game with a weird preseason. But he's been a really good signing for Tottenham and one that, again, didn't cost a lot of money. No, that so. looks like a Daniel Levy masterstroke. Doesn't happen often, but what was he like? <laughs> 15 million pounds or something? It's just. I mean, you free. can't say Spurs haven't signed players in the past couple windows here. I mean, yeah. A lot of new players on Spurs. Um, what did you think of this lineup, real quickly, before we move on to Arsenal? Uh, you know, we've seen Bergwine start uh, with the Sun uh, Kane combo. He seems to be the third, the preferred third right now. Uh, and then Lacelso getting the start as well. What were your what were your thoughts? Yeah, well, apparently Ndombele, um had some kind of niggling uh, injury issue or mm-hmm. not from Europa League. So I think if he was fit, he would have started over Lacelso. But uh, Lacelso had been playing well recently, except for in that Chelsea game in the last Premier League game. But in Europa League, he's been doing well, and uh, you know he's been pushing for a starting spot. So uh, I wasn't that surprised once I heard Ndombele is injured, but. I think with Bergwijn, it probably comes down to the tactics and who Spurs are playing. If they're playing one of the top teams where they're going to counter pretty much all game, I see Bergwijn starting in all those. But against a team that really sits back like a next match against Palace, I'd probably expect Bale to start on that one. Moving to Arsenal, Kyle. I mean, boy. Alexander Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang generating zero goals on 0.7 expected between the two. Aubameyang, Kyle, again, 19 touches this whole match. Basically invisible. Bernard Leno touched the ball more than Aubameyang, if you can believe that. So that is just, what is going on? Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really bizarre. I mean, you're a Dortmund fan, so you watched a lot of the bombing before. I watched a lot of it. Back then, he was able to create his own chances. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that right now. But I almost, in a way, don't really put it down to just the bombing and Lacazette. I can't believe I'm saying this because I've never seen an Arsenal team that's lacked this, but they really lack a creative center midfielder or some kind of creativity in this team. There's just Damn, a- if only they had one. Yeah, if only they had like an Ozil or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just I wrote down in my match notes that Arsenal are shooting blanks, but they're not even getting shots off. I mean, in this game, they had, yeah, they had more shots, maybe seven or eight, but only two went on target the entire match. And even that was fewer than Spurs. So um, yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, this has me thinking Mikel Arteta, act- <laughs> I don't see any of Pep Guardiola on him under these sort of performances. He kind of looks like a, Tony Pulis, like a Paella Tony Pulis. Maybe I'm taking the piss too much on that one, but uh, he just, this team just, I think only Sheffield United scored fewer goals. I mean, you'd have to back me up on that. They're definitely in the bottom five on the goal statistic. It just, I don't really understand it. Uh, Another weird thing to touch upon, uh, Thomas Partey was fit to play in this match, but that moment where he decided to walk over to the sideline pretty much opened up a glorious chance for Spurs' second goal. I know some people yeah. would say it's fortunate for Spurs, but to me, as a former center holding mid, even if you're hurt, you never vacate that area of the pitch. Even if you can't move and you can just walk, you don't leave that area. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one because he was clearly oh, hurt. He couldn't run, right? He tried to run immediately. He ran stopped. Back. He ran back yeah, from the side. Yeah, he tried to run back onto the field and stopped right away. So clearly hurt. Spurs took advantage. They don't have to clear the ball. Scored the I second. Think, I don't even pretty think much. I saw him leave the field. Yeah, maybe not. And it was didn't matter. His curtains at that point, even though Spurs' expected goal count was so low at that point, didn't matter, right? Because like, what shots did they need to go generate? They were going to sit, you know, park the bus until Arsenal at least scored one. And going back to your point about Arsenal having the second lowest, it's actually the fourth worst attack uh, in the Premier League. Uh, the only ones worse are West Brom, Burnley, and Sheffield. So there you go. That says all you need to know about Arsenal's offense when Fulham has generated more goals. Horrible. 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 Uh, last thing I have to say about Arsenal, Kyle, is you know a lot of people hated Unai Emery or were sick of Wenger at the end. But this is the worst start Arsenal has ever had. And so I'm curious to see if and when things get better. And if it doesn't start soon. You have to think Arteta's name starts to enter the sack race conversation. It's got to. It's got to. So it sounds like you think this game is more about Arsenal being bad than Spurs being good in this instance. And I, is that? Uh, it's probably a combination of the two, I would say. You know, it's probably, I mean, Sun and Kane have been so good. So you have to give them credit. But Arsenal. It's been a pattern that we've seen their offense just been lackluster. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I actually think this game is more about Arsenal just not showing up. Just bizarre. I don't really understand it. Let's move into another London game, Kyle, over in East London at West Ham. I know that's a confusing sentence. But they lost 3-1 to one against Manchester United, Kyle, in a game that in the beginning, if you were watching, West Ham were... Dominating? Is that a weird word? Oh, is that too harsh? I don't know. Uh, they were dominating, I would say, early on until <sighs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Kyle, made some subs and <laughs> things happened. Yeah. Oh, man. This this was one of the weirdest games I've watched in a long time because I actually watched the, this full match. And in the first half, it could have been like West Ham 3-0. I mean, seriously, it was that kind of game. Uh, there is this moment. I mean, we'll... We'll get to some of the West Ham's blown opportunities later on, but uh, United were just aimless in this in this first half. Uh, Cavani and Van de Beek started, and uh, Ollie ended up bringing on Rashford and Bruno uh, at the start of the second half, which worked wonders for them. I mean, United, there's no going away from it. They were horrible in the first half. But in the second half, those switches, man, um, you know, we've been really harsh on Ollie and you know, we, we take the stance that, you know, all the other opposing challengers love that Ollie's there because we don't think United's going anywhere with him. But you got to give him credit on the day. Um, you know, he made those subs. It really switched the tactics in the game, and they hit him on – they hit West Ham on the counter over and over and over, and they just – I mean, they could have really ran away with it. It could have been like one to five by the end of the game. I mean, they just shredded West Ham and bloomed to bits. Um, but – United now most points from losing positions in the entire league. Right, right, and it really changed. I mean, Bruno Fernandez went on for Danny Van Donny Van de Beek, who wasn't really doing much. And same thing with Edinson Cavani. I wouldn't put it all on Cavani, but uh, just didn't generate a lot. Didn't have a lot of the ball. They brought in Rashford and Fernandez, like I just said, and things changed immediately. Kyle, uh, you know, as much as we make fun of. Bruno Fernandez, he does he does come on and add a bit of flair and a bit of 
juice to this team, no doubt. Um, And then Paul Pogba in this game, Kyle, we haven't mentioned him, but I mean, we just talked about a banger and that sun hit, but man, this arguably might be better. I mean, two amazing goals this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it could have been. And I don't know. Should we even talk about the VAR thing on the Pogba goal? I don't know. Let's just let's just kind of avoid it. Let's say the ball might have gone out of bounds, or there probably isn't technology to see that. But uh, it's a great goal. I think for the neutral, you'd be upset if they took that Pogba goal away because I think he might have been thirty yards out, uh, hit it first time with his instep, and not only was it a banger, but it it had this beautiful like inward curve. It was just great shot. I actually probably think it was a better goal than Sons. Uh, It'll probably be up there for goals of the season. Just a total pog banger and you know it wasn't just that goal that was nice i mean that that uh mason greenwood finish is underrated man that touch and finish yeah i mean mason greenwood who i wouldn't say we've bashed on the pod but hasn't got a, a you know much love from you and i uh we just haven't talked about him because he hasn't really been here but i i think he's a great player man it's like a two-footed van percy but he's been nowhere all season yeah hasn't shown up Showed up today or showed up this weekend, and then Marcus Rashford getting a third. Weird also, game. I mean, we tweeted over the we tweeted over the weekend um, at over the top EPL. Give us a follow. That XG from the first half, Kyle West Ham was at about two, and Manchester United was at point zero seven. And so that I mean that just tells you of all the missed chances West Ham that they were kicking themselves that they weren't up at least two nil at halftime at the very minimum. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, and not only that, West Ham—they played really well. I, I can't. You and I were just totally shitting on David Moyes earlier this season, but you got to say the dude has got them playing, uh, you know, above their level. And we haven't seen West Ham play like this in a long time, maybe since Slavin Bilic was there early on, like five, six years ago. So mm-hmm. this team can actually attack. They can defend. Um, this game doesn't really. It show that but we've seen so far this season uh They're but, kind of a fun team to watch too like I see, I see you cringing while you're saying that because it sounds so weird to say but it's true though i mean pablo fornals man he's fun to watch they don't even play lanzini also fun to watch they got fun wingbacks it's just yeah it's kind of weird but um one mention one moment i did want to mention though at the end of the first half sebastian howler rounds the <laughs> open goal and the dude slips and falls on his face and what do you think the xg was on that chance just like a full fat one i mean probably well i mean zero because he didn't actually shoot the ball so that just tells you how how much higher it should be you know it's it's disappointing i mean the turf monster i mean that's an understatement when you say turf monster it's like a turf ogre just absolutely nipped him and made him fall that was unfortunate i was like getting ready to celebrate that goal too which is, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate but yeah let's move on to the next game we have chelsea three leeds united one chelsea were impressive in this game kyle i mean one of the most highest xg performances i think we have this season yeah yeah it and what's weird is i feel like every time chelsea plays they show us a little bit of a different side to their game and we haven't seen them fall behind and them have to come back too many times this season but we definitely saw that and they showed a good uh, mentality in this game and yeah it should have been a lot more than three i mean timo Werner 
there's a ton of positive to get to this game. And Timo Werner, I actually thought was very lively, but man, he literally stopped a goal in the first half. <laughs> the miss, he like he like blocked a shot essentially. <laughs> it was. I don't you know, know, it reminds me, I almost had, I had that in fifth grade, I was on this team, I feel like we're, our, our, our team name, we were Lake Hills Soccer Club, our team name was the Kicks, uh, and one of our teammates shot it, it was like, you know, what you think is a really hard hit ball in fifth grade, so I wonder how hard that actually was, but it was going bottom corner, and the other teammate, like, you know, could have just let it go for a goal, but like, kicked it and then he like hit it over the bar and so it reminded me of that a little different circumstance but just an unnecessary and terrible terrible awful yeah. finish yeah and it was weird because i mean Werner looks like probably the best of all of chelsea's seven signings although you could probably argue tiago silva but yeah they just showed great flexibility and different styles of play and uh they really came back after going down to leeds uh, i think in the fourth minute and they just completely ran away with this one um you know yes Werner missed sitters but he seems to be involved in he's quality Kyle I'm not worried every every single game he has a goal or an assist it seems or seems to be creating or giving defenders a headaches with his direct running so uh also interesting Olivier Giroud should he be a regular starter discuss (laughs) (laughs) yeah um the fact that that's a tough question is fascinating isn't it right I mean, goodness, how, what a what a run of form he's been on. I mean, how can you take him out right now, right? It's his run of form. I mean, obviously Chelsea today had a meaningless Champions League game, but over the weekend when they play, they play, hold please. Um, when when they have their next game, how can you justify taking him out without and then putting Wenger and Pulisic or Ziyech, whoever you want to put there next to him to support? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean they play Everton, fantastic, yeah. play him. Like seriously, I mean this this might be a hot take, but I actually think Giroud might be the most underrated player in the league. Like because I, I and I say that because I feel like people have never really taken him seriously as a top goal scorer. Yeah, he scored zero goals for that France team that won the World Cup. But I feel like <laughs> yeah. no matter where he goes, he's never given the shot as a starter. And like, yes, he misses some chances, but as a target man, you know, it you'll be hard pressed to find a better target man. His link up play is great. I know he's really slow, but I, I just feel like Giroud just doesn't really get the respect he deserves. And you know, that's coming from a Spurs fan. I mean, he's Arsenal and Chelsea, and I just feel like he's kind of slept on. Yeah, and he's 34, Kyle, and he's still still performing at a high level, which is testament to him. That's fantastic. Moving on to the lead side real quick. Uh, you know, they, they played okay. They played to their style, but they sit in 14th. What, what are your thoughts, Kyle? I mean, I have one. Um, half of it is fantasy selfishness, and half of it is just watching with my eyes, but Rodrigo needs to play more, Kyle. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's been COVID-free for like two weeks now. I think I have him as striker in one of my leagues also, and uh, <laughs> maybe I'm also being selfish, but, you know, you watch him play, and he's he's got to be their best player, him or maybe Rafinha. I know Bamford's been great, but you got to play the guy. Um, you know, I kind of see Leeds a little bit like Brighton in a way. I feel like 
every game they play, they play some good stuff. They pass the ball well. They're exciting. They're easy on the eye, but they're just not getting the results. Um, but I think Leeds being in 14th might be down to how condensed the table is. I feel like 14th is a little unfair. But that being said, they're not really closing out games. So I don't know. My my worry is that Bielsa is a little too stubborn to change his style and to change personnel really quickly once he's identified his lineup, even though you have players with quality like Rodrigo can come in and really change games. So that that's my worry. We'll see if that comes into fruition. I really do like Rafinha. Uh, and so I'm imagining a scenario where Rafinha, Rodrigo, Jack Harrison, Calvin Phillips can all play at the same time and be dangerous. I mean... I'm not worried about leads in any in any stretch, but it's you know I feel like they could be doing better than they are right now. They're definitely not out of the woods, though. That's for sure. No, but I mean the bottom is so bad; it's probably not going to take much to get out of the woods. Sheffield, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley. All right, let's get the rapid fire. You mentioned Burnley, Kyle, right before we went to break on Rapid Fire, and they tied Everton 1-1, Kyle. Good point for Burnley, right? We're starting with Burnley on this. I mean, yeah, we got to start with the positives. Probably one of Burnley's best, you got to say, their best performance this season so far. They actually can probably count themselves unlucky in this one. I felt like they kind of... I wouldn't say domination because I don't want much mm. seem like Burnley could dominate, but as close as a Burnley domination can get, you know what I mean? Uh, Everton, I mean, get what, over what's... double. I mean, uh, they were outscored double and expected goals, way less chances. But yeah, if that's your domination, then I'll let you have it. We're, we're talking about for Burnley, Burnley standard. Sure, right, right. Different whole circumstances, I understand. Like not not like have a third of the XG or a third of the passes and things like that, but um, you know a more solid. But I feel like this game, you and I would probably agree, Everton they're falling off a cliff, and this game is more about Everton just looking. Uh, like who who are you, Everton? Seriously, who are you? So what is it about Everton? Is it I can't figure out if it's the defense, if it's the midfield looking. Uh, exposed is it was a Hamas hot start like what what is it it's probably like a combination of a bunch of things uh DCL still getting it done I mean goodness mm-hmm. what a what a start for him and he's having I'm a record cool. year and probably his career year to be honest and Richarlison back and that's a big help to Everton but I don't know something something needs to change it's weird I almost feel like Everton with Hamas out wide instead of at a number 10 position they lack creativity it's i mean i feel like that midfield kind of lacks creativity with andre gomez and alan and ducore but I yeah don't, it's I'm, hard because like i put james at that cam position you know yeah that dying position though is a problem because like then you get exposed in the back end and i don't know it's, it's a tough position to be a number a modern number 10 right now yeah it's like a dying position man Let's move on to Manchester City, um, who actually dominated, Kyle, 2-0 over Fulham. I mean, 2-0 you don't think is a dominating score, but I don't think I remember Fulham doing anything of note to even write down in my notes at all, Kyle. 
No, I feel like this was just Fulham trying to do, you know, damage limitation. I mean, City, this was this was totally, totally dominant. I mean, City were actually really wasteful. I, I feel like Sterling just completely missed two sitters. Maybe I'm being harsh, but this game should have been 5 or 6-0 no, and no one would have batted an eye because Fulham just, they didn't do anything. I mean, they're Fulham or a championship club, let's be honest. They are. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Kyle. I mean, when he's on, there's no better player in the Premier League than him. I mean, goodness. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's can't really add much to that, but I feel like KDB is finally getting back to his best. He's been slightly injured all season, and I don't know. The rest of the league is going to be sweating seeing a full KDB back and Aguero coming back soon, too. Speaking of domination, Kyle, let's go to Merseyside. Uh, finally have the You Never Walk Alone, the first one since uh, they've won the title. I think that was a cool moment. Uh, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans, I'm sure, felt a certain way after that. Uh, and then they went on to dominate Wolves 4-0. So great day for them all around. Wijnaldum, fantastic goal. When are they going to sign him, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I still don't know about that, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if they let him walk, which I, I think I think he's still got a lot to offer, especially mm-hmm. to a Klopp side that needs his energy and some steel, you know? He's perfect for that. But they've got so many center mids. It, they'll be fine without him. But he's, he's an underrated player. Speaking of the young lad, Curtis Jones getting another start and playing well, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing that these young guys have come in while, like, half of Liverpool starting 11 or more are injured. but. Curtis Jones looked great. Nico Williams has been good. Uh, whatever, Whoever they put as center back has been good, even before Fabinho came back uh, and Matzip came back. So Curtis Jones especially, though, he's the one that stands out. The guy has some sauce. He's still 19 years old. Local, uh, what do you call it, liver puddlian, right? Oh, God. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> Liverpool also had Alexander-Arnold come back this game, developed a, you know, just a worldy of a cross. Just shows its quality straight away. And I mean, not that their replacement has been bad, like you just said, but I mean, Alexander Arnold's just a class of his own and so important for that team. Uh, Wolves, Kyle, just not their day. I mean, I don't think they were terrible, but they were just outplayed by a much better team, it looked like today. And, you know, no worries about Wolves or anything. I think the main concern is obviously Raul Jimenez, who was released from the hospital finally, but. What can they do to replace him? And, you know, yet to be seen, really. Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to ask, like, are you worried about Wolves without Raul? Because they don't really have a second striker. I mean, Fabio Silva is there, but is he that no. much of a striker yeah. or target man? I don't, I don't really think he is. So, I don't know. I can't, I'm a little concerned for Wolves, but uh, it seems like their manager likes to grind out some wins anyway, so I'm not too worried. They could always dip into the transfer market. They seem to have some Chinese dollars with uh, the Portuguese um, agent connection. So also one one quick mention: the Liverpool young keeper, hell of a save on Podence's chip too. That was what fantastic. That hell of a goal, man! That yeah, chipper. Podence. He, he has some, speaking of sauce, he has some sauce as well. Yeah, I mean, coming in and taking advantage of that opportunity. I mean, Diogo Jota has been great for Liverpool, but Podence has come in and played well. Yeah, so. Pedro Neto too, man. They, I, both of them, they look good. And then Adama Traore, like, 
Hasn't oh yeah, played. I forgot about him. He's a player still. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't played a lot, but he's still there. Uh, moving on to West Brom, uh, they got dominated by Crystal Palace. Kyle five to one. Uh, you know, red card really helped Crystal Palace dominate, but. Oof, not a good game for you if Benteke scores two on you, Kyle. I mean, Palace are great at parking the bus and hitting teams on the counter, but imagine being dominated by Crystal Palace. Oof. Like, just imagine. Five to one. I mean, I thought United gotta, was the only team to get dominated by Palace. Yeah. You got to be honest, though. So, the red card to Pereira completely changed the game, and that oh, totally, totally opened the floodgates. Um, now they've got both Zaha and Everichi Eze for Palace, and uh, hey, now Palace suddenly have two creators, and even Benteke scoring a brace. I think that just goes to show how much creativity is in that team with those two. Yeah, and then West Brom, just uh, the lack of quality, manager, yes. trouble, question mark. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's tough to see how those survive. Is he going to be the first one to go? You know, as a logical human being, you have to ask yourself, like, okay, you get rid of Billich. What benefit or who could you hire that is better than him? And I no. can't come up with an answer, but yet I still think he's going to get canned. I think they're going to bring in someone like Sam Allardyce or something crazy like that or a total unknown. Or uh, what was our one of our favorites from last season? Uh, uh, Flores Sanchez, the old Watford coach, <laughs> the guy who was like sacked and then brought back in one season. And then sacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man. they're struggling, man. They're struggling. I mean, they might actually be worse than Fulham. I mean, right now they're in nineteenth. They're worse in the table by one point, negative uh, fifteen goals, which is worse in the Premier League. Negative thirteen point three xg expected goals, which is worse by over double the next closest. So the advanced stats and the actual stats say they're the worst team really in the Premier League right now. Yeah, I can see that. But just absolutely brutal. Uh, we'll see what happens, but not good. Moving from, I guess, the worst analytically, but going to the actual where Sheffield United uh, losing one to two to Leicester City and. Lester left it really, really late. Oh, your boy is too late. Your boy yeah. in this one. It took a Jamie Vardy 90 minute, 90th minute uh, winner. Came from a mistake from, I think it was Fleck in the midfield of Sheffield. Terrible mistake. And, you know, Jamie Vardy, whenever he has space to run into, he's, he's gone. Good celebration. You know, completely smashing the, the corner flag. As a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so I don't know. I thought I thought it was kind of cool. It's kind of like seeing uh, Shaq dunk on a hoop and the, you know, the backboard shatter. I'm about. I honestly it. didn't know the corner flag could break into that many pieces. Yeah. I thought it would just like snap in half or something. That like completely shattered it. Those like made out of glass in the Premier League. I don't know. Ollie McBurney getting one of like Sheffield's five goals of the year. That was cool to see. Former Swansea legend, but. Man, I think I think that's the theme. You mentioned it earlier, just another mistake from Sheffield, you said, on Jamie Vardy's second goal. But just way too many mistakes from Sheffield. And you can see that they have a system they try to play. It's just not as effective as it was last season. And they can't execute. 
And they don't have that offensive firepower. And I guess they never had offensive firepower, but they don't have the offensive scoring ability that they had last season. And if you can't yeah. score goals, you're obviously going to lose games. But if you concede at the level that they are and not score goals, it's just terrible news. And they have to turn it around quickly. One point through what eleven games now. It's absolutely the atrocious. The worst ever. Yeah, it's. I don't know. To me, this reeks of just how fine the margins are for this Sheffield United team. I feel like last season they actually weren't scoring that many goals, but all their games were 1-0 that they didn't Mm -hmm. win. You know, just that little bit of focus in the defense is kind of off it. And it's such a fine margin. And for Sheffield, that's going from, you know, a win to a draw, or just a win to a loss, and then a draw to a loss. I mean, one point from 11. That's bad. I, I don't really see how they can get out of it. They don't have any goals. They're not stopping to concede. Uh, I think Chris Wilder is probably safe in his job just because he's what he's done in the club. But Jesus, man. It's not and they've created chances, Kyle, which is the frustrating thing. They have more expected goals generated than Wolves do this season, believe it or not. They just have no finisher. They don't have a Raul Jimenez to go and score those goals for them. It, it's weird because it almost seems like Chris Wilder still has his team outperforming because I think this is the one, not the one, but they're straight up championship level talent. And mm-hmm. it's amazing that they even got this far. Uh, but And what they did last season, I mean, over 50 points. That's yeah, impressive. Amazing. Amazing. All right, lastly, we'll mention this really quickly. Uh, the late Monday game, Brighton losing at home 2-1 to one to Southampton. They, again, lost late in that one as well. Southampton, fifth place, Kyle. Fifth place, best set-piece taker in the whole league. Uh, James Ward-Prowse had another one, but he had an assist from a corner this time for a Vestergaard header. That dude, Vestergaard, is like a, like a 6'7 Viking or something because like, <laughs> uh, Brighton's still missing some chances. They just look kind of blunt up top. I guess Danny Welbeck and no longer Neil Mopai are, are doing the business. So, But they play some good stuff, but, man, they're just not getting any, any uh, results. 16th place. No. No, I'm not worried about them. I know you were joking pre-show. Uh, Brighton has more expected goals uh, than expected chances, but their their goal difference is negative three. So they have a plus 4.5 on expected goals, but negative three. So they're just not finishing. They're allowing fluky goals. As, you know, they're allowing worldies. Meanwhile, Southampton has scored 21 goals this season which is near the top of the Premier League, and their XG is only 11.8. So that's a difference of 10. So they've been scoring some crazy goals. Yeah, they're efficient, man. They're efficient. I mean, it doesn't hurt when you got Ward-Prowse banging in free kicks, sometimes two free kicks in a single match. But, um, you know, and it's only going to get better because they have Danny Ings coming back. I actually think he came back on this game and scored he the did. He's the one who scored the pen, right? He did, yeah. And so XG doesn't take into account a better set piece taker than a worse one. So it should probably be a higher number for Ward Prowse and Kevin De Bruyne versus the rest of the league. Because if you have Ward Prowse stepping over from twenty five yards outside the box, it's a it's a scary sight. I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to see that. No. Nope. Let's move into our next segment, Kyle. We actually asked, we are on Instagram. We reached out to our listeners to ask us some questions. What do you want to know about the Premier League? And this ranged from basic level to getting really specific. And we have eight questions, Kyle, ranging all over the place. And I'm really excited to get started. And I'll pose you the very first question to get us uh, to get us started. Um, 
this is a put on your put on your forward future hat here. Look into your crystal ball, Kyle, and tell us who will be the best signing in the January transfer window. Ooh. <laughs> well, I haven't really thought about this before, so I'm just going off the top of my head. I'm like tempted to say someone like Messi, but I don't think he's going to be leaving in January. He'll, I think he will leave for Barca, but on a free. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look. Hmm. <laughs> Good question. Good question. I'm going to go uh, Dio Upamecano to Liverpool. I think Upamecano, and if he doesn't go to Liverpool, like I can see Upamecano leaving uh, right now while, you know, um, while a lot of these big teams are looking for center backs, they're going to be willing to overpay for this guy. If he doesn't go to Liverpool, I can see Manchester United trying to sign him too. So I'm going to Upamecano. Uh, but, you know, I was surprised by how many questions we got. We actually had to pick and choose some, which – I didn't expect, but hey, hey, I'm here for it. Uh, so I, so one of these that I wanted to pose to you, um, <laughs> this is very relevant for me to ask. But uh, Justin, how do you deal with a host who's completely biased? I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to caveat it in every episode by saying, you know, I'm so glad I'm on the show as the source of truth and your real source of information. I mean, in a world, Kyle, full of disinformation and fake news, there has to be someone to ground the show in actual facts and relevance. And, you know, I'm just, I'm glad I can be the one to provide that uh, on this podcast, as well as just, uh, you know, trying to shit on Tottenham whenever I can. But that's been really hard this season because they've been so good, minus the first game. So um, hopefully so I'll provide. So you don't deal with it? You don't deal with the host that's totally biased? You just let him let him run riot. No, we can't let you run riot. We're gonna have to reel you in a little bit. I mean, Tottenham can't continue this run of form, right? Eventually, they're gonna have to hit a bad run of form, and then we can start making fun of you again. But I mean, they they're at the top of the Premier League, so I mean, how do we how do we temper those uh, celebrations? Well, when the time comes, I'm I'm ready to get shat on. All right, this is uh this is for you now. Uh, going from your favorite team to your least favorite team, Kyle. Somebody asked me, and it wasn't someone on the podcast or affiliated at all. Just a complete <laughs> uh, random. Is Arsenal full of arse? And please elaborate. So I guess it's two questions there. One is Arsenal full of arse, and then elaborate on their on your answer. I okay. First things first, I swear to God, I did not submit this question. <laughs> I, was, I was actually kind of shocked when you told me you got this and that it wasn't from one, like, it wasn't from you. I, I don't have no mm-hmm. idea who it came from, but uh, is Arsenal full of arse? Uh, yeah, they've been full of arse for like 10 years. They got a bunch <laughs> of passengers on their team. I mean, I'm not going to go on and on, but you still, look, the Arsenal fans booed Granit Xhaka last season and he told them to fuck off. And he's their captain again. Well, actually, no, Aubameyang. No, he's not. Yeah, Aubameyang's now their captain. But Jaka was at the end of last season for a while. Um, I don't know how that happens. They got players who you know play for a contract. Once they get the contract, they just stop playing. I'm not calling Aubameyang uh, Ars. I think he's actually awesome. But they, I just feel like this club has a lot of players that are just kind of toxic in the dressing room, and that they just don't seem to care. And that's even coming from a Spurs fan. I, I just, I don't know. If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be disappointed with just the fact that these players just are passengers. They don't really seem to give a shit. So um, I'm now starting to question if Arteta's the right man. 
Uh, I thought it, he was a while ago. Um, I'm starting to question that since they're in, what is it, 15th, 16th? Uh, 15th, I guess. I just can't see them all the way down there on the table. Uh, Justin, geez, I don't know how we're going to tackle this, but can you do a power rankings of the fan bases of the EPL teams? Yeah, uh, that's a whole segment, I feel like. So I'll just give a, like Justin's top and bottom real quick. Uh, near the top has to be Liverpool. I mean, their fan base is awesome. I mean, they just experienced their first title in 30 years. I mean, they obviously had a lot before then. But, I mean, the the noise and the fervor that they have for their team is pretty unmatched. Uh, just thinking of off the top of my head here of just really passionate fans, you'd have to think Kyle Newcastle is near the top. I mean, yeah. it seems like a great place to watch a game. Uh, I mean, Sunderland as well. Obviously, time. they're way down there. Um, but Newcastle has to be up there. You could make an argument for a bunch of other teams as well. Uh, near the bottom has to be West Brom. I mean, any fan base that tolerates those jerseys just terrible and you and we asked for uh epl rankings of fan bases and that's a championship club so by far uh the lowest there and then i mean chelsea's kind of plasticky right i mean they're probably rated as high in like a lot of polls if we did this if we did this on our twitterverse um you just have a lot of chelsea fans out there but it's just too plasticky right so uh, like even Arsenal has real fans. Tottenham has a fan there here and there. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea, it's got to be down there. All right, Kyle, moving on. Uh, question here. Is there any reason to watch the EPL because Liverpool are going to win? <laughs> uh, dude, this is the most, this is the most open Premier League season in recent memory. I mean, even though Liverpool is probably still the favorite, although I'm still going to stick by Man City as my pick to win it, even though it's not really looking good. Uh, this is the most level playing field that uh, I can remember in, in years, and other than maybe the year Leicester won, you know, where I think Leicester and Spurs are probably the best teams and all the other good teams just were really, you know, transitioning. But uh, yes, definitely reason to watch EPL. It's still the only league, in my opinion, where you can get uh, even a, shit West Brom show up to Chelsea and somehow tie them 3-3. Three, three. Uh, so there's a lot more parity in this league. Uh, I, it's not the case where there's only five matches that are worth watching all season. Uh, still the most exciting league for me, even though, you know, La Liga might have some of the uh, better technical play. So just by the sheer uh, balance of power in the EPL, uh, even though there's all this money in the EPL, uh, definitely makes it worth watching. Come on. And plus... Mourinho as the, as the, uh, I was going to say hero, but maybe he's the villain. I mean, Mourinho is a villain. It doesn't get better than that. So got to watch. Uh, but this one's very relevant and close to your heart, Justin. Uh, we all miss Swansea. So when is Swansea <laughs> going to get back to the Premier League? <laughs> we all miss Swansea. Oh, just like, man. How can you not, how can you not like Swansea? Oh, your boys. You know, I don't know, Kyle. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you looked at the championship table this season? I I doubt that you have, but have you? Uh, I know Norwich is on top, and that's that's as good as it gets for me. Yeah. So Bournemouth, Bournemouth, Norwich, and Watford 
the three relegated teams are leading the charge. Fourth is Swansea, Kyle. So don't look now, but Swansea are competing here. Uh, just tied the cherries today, uh, one to one, I think, or zero nil, 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 one, one. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, have a nine goal difference in the championship, tied on points with third, one point off. It's one of the tightest championship tables we've had in a long time as well. And so they have a shot this year. They really do uh, to get up there. I mean, Watford's not the same. I mean, not the same. No. I mean, they're still a terrible team, but they're not the same team that got relegated. Uh, so they have a chance. If it's not this year, then probably 2027. Wait, but, but here's a question about Swansea real quick. Do they still have Andre Ayew? Yeah, they do. In the Playing chance? every game for them right now. We loaned him out a couple times, brought him back, and just in the hopes of getting promoted. So he's playing. Oh, and obviously, like, our best player. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. I mean, it's way too good for the, the championship. Kyle, this is probably going to be your favorite question uh, that I'm going to pose to you and the last one, but who will win the sack race? I wish I had a lot better answer, but I'll just get straight to the point. Slavin Bilic, easy, easy. You know, earlier, um, earlier, maybe if you asked me this like two, three weeks ago, which is way too early to talk about a sack race, uh, there are some good contenders. At one point or another, it's looked like Ollie is on the chopping block, but he always gets that one win and then he just completely, you know, disappoints the next next week uh just like he did in the champions league which we'll get to uh but easy slavin village uh i would say chris wilder but since he's gotten sheffield from uh league one the third division i think he'll say even if they get relegated but slavin village is probably toast in the next three weeks yeah um, I mean, he's got to be leading and then scott parker arteta and ollie probably have to be in beer pong terms heating up right yeah <laughs> dude <laughs> Beer pong. Wow, this pandemic is really fucking with me because I that actually you saying beer pong made me really sad. And I was like, I can't remember the last time. Yeah, I mean, for those husky tailgates, man, that would have been fun this year. Yeah, to watch all five games or something. Uh, <laughs> next question, though, this is kind of like a double question. So good luck with this one. But how much is Jack Grealish worth and where would he go if he were to leave? Mm, that's a good question. Uh... My first initial answer is 10 million pounds into Swansea, but then I take off my <laughs> rose-tinted glasses here and think realistically, you got to think around 70 to 80, right? Um, of what a team would be willing, and I imagine there will be a bidding war, and he's English, so that helps in the EPL. I don't see Chelsea bidding for them, uh, bidding for him. They have way too many players. Uh, so I think, honestly... think united kyle Mm -hmm. i think i think he would improve them i think pogba according to his agent is on the outs according to our sources uh mino raiola wants to take him out and make some agent commission again so if pogba's on the outs i think that could be a you know they sound van de beek but i think Grealish could really improve that team and link things together and be really dangerous so there's a lot of arguments to be made about all these different teams, but I think he could really improve and flourish under a you know Manchester United team. Interesting. Another mega million signing. Yeah, I mean, with the amount of money they spend on Slabhead, and if they sign Grealish, then that would be a lot of money into a team that doesn't win anything. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of not winning anything, Kyle, let's get into our Champions League final group stage picks. 
and what happened today as we were recording Tuesday night. And the first match we're going to cover, Kyle, is Leipzig over United 3-2, to two, uh, which essentially, I mean, not essentially, it actually did, kicked United down into the Europa League. Wah, wah, wah. Welcome, lads. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're going to join Tottenham down there. So, yeah, we uh, we can't say that we were surprised, Kyle. I mean, I picked Leipzig to win 4-1 to this game, so I thought this was going to be an absolute boat <laughs> race, which it almost was, but United uh, almost came back. When you told me 4-1 was your pick, because before the game went on, we texted back and forth. I was like, all right, give me your game prediction. 4-1, I actually had to stop and ask, like, United, Leipzig? What are you talking about? <laughs> Whenever you said Leipzig, I just burst out laughing. <laughs> it was hilarious but you you know you and i are thinking somewhat alike i, I thought it was gonna be a little closer but we just have no faith in united dude because i was gonna go with the 2-1 leipzig win uh united after they beat southampton and came back in pretty epic fashion um there was only one way this was gonna go and i was back down to normalcy because this team always does yeah and then the second game chelsea tied krasnodar 1-1 i got that right on the head kyle which means i get an extra point for guessing the score correct as well uh you predicted a 1-0 win for chelsea that was incorrect you get no point so right now as it stands i am beating you 14 to 12 with two matches tomorrow to go so with those two matches city play marseille Manchester City have already wrapped up first place in their group. So how do you see this game going? What is your prediction? I mean, this is a pretty much nothing game, right? I mean, it's City and whoever's in second. I forget who. They've both already advanced. Porto. Porto's in second. Porto, yeah. I mean, this game means nothing. But, um, you know, because of that and with City looking into the weekend uh, with the Manchester Derby, you know, United's going to show up. Uh, They're, of course, going to field a second-best team. and I could just see them kind of show up and not really care. So I'm going to go with the 1-1 draw, City-Marseille. Who you got? Uh, I have Marseille winning for the exact same reasons you have. I think City's not going to care, not going to want to get injured, play all their backups. That you know, I mean, they're a deep team, so as much as backups as they can. And they're going to lose 2-1 to one to Marseille. But it doesn't matter because they're going to rest everyone important for the Manchester Derby. Uh, similar kind of feel for the Liverpool game. They go to FC... Mitjaland, I don't know. I probably bitch butchered that, but uh, in Denmark, uh, Kyle, where do you where do you see this one going? Liverpool have already clinched first place. Mitjaland are out of it. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Liverpool are going to go to the second, if not maybe even a third string team here. Think of Minamino playing and people like that. No disrespect to Minamino, I actually like him, but uh, yeah, this game doesn't really matter. But Mitjaland might have the least quality in the entire Champions League. I mean, it's great for them to even get here. I think they've been a club for only like 15 years or something crazy like that. I'd have to be fact-checked on that. But uh, even all that considered, I'm still – Liverpool are too good, man. 2-0 Liverpool. What about you? Very similar, but I have 2-1. So I think uh, Mitchell are going to come in, score a goal at home, make their, make their non-existent uh, fans happy. But at the end of the day, Liverpool are going to go and uh, win the day. That's all we have this week, Kyle. Any uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Yes, yes, a few, but real quick, I just wanted to mention, uh, you know, we're Americans here doing this pod mainly for Americans, although we love our fans out in Nigeria and wherever else you may be. We're just popular in Nigeria. I don't know what the deal is, but 
Uh, we love y'all. But uh, the Americans are killing it recently, man, in the Champions League. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of players might be poop. Uh, a lot of fans might be poo pooing uh, the players who you know have been fans of the U.S. men's national team for a while, saying we don't, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. But look, the fact remains: the U.S. men's national team has young players playing for all the top European teams. And Weston McKinney, though, today. The flying scissor kick Raleigh. Palazzo. Even Cristiano Ronaldo. Did you see the picture of McKenney celebrating and Ronaldo like looking like damn? You know, so credit to him. Pulisic also getting in on the goals recently. He's back from injury. Uh Tyler Adams uh also playing a lot for Leipzig. Am I missing anyone? I mean, those are the main three, and you have to think Weston McKinney, how impressive is that? I mean Rumored to go to Southampton because he wanted to leave Schalke, and Schalke is just terrible this season, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, wanted to leave Schalke, signed by Juventus, which is a surprise. And not only signed yeah. by Juventus, getting game minutes and then scores goals like that. I mean, goodness, yeah. what a rise for Weston McKinney and great for the USMNT going forward. Seriously. And I mean, not only signed by Juventus, but signed by Juventus, whose manager is an all time great center mid. So clearly, Pirlo sees something in McKinney that even you and I might not have seen. I mean, the guy's way more technical than I ever expected. So mm-hmm. credit to him, man. That's I'm excited. And then lastly, before we sign off, just one of my mentions, we live in Seattle and the Seattle Sounders had an amazing comeback down 2-0 with 15 minutes left to win the game in regulation 3-2 over oh, the Minnesota United Loons. The Loons. I love that name, though. But yeah, this... I, I swear, I turned this game back on. I wasn't able to watch the second half, but I turned it on with maybe uh, 10 minutes ago and I remember telling my girlfriend, you know, this is over. Sounders are done for the season. Uh, scoring the 89th minute and then the 93rd with basically the last kick of the game. So uh, in the MLS, it's called Schmetzer time instead of Fergie time. So Schmetzer time was definitely in full flow. So right. uh, Saturday, right? Saturday, MLS, MLS Cup final. Columbus crew. Uh, if we have any English listeners, they're not going to know where the hell that is. Uh, Columbus Crew against the Seattle Sounders. Uh, the the odds market have it almost even, Kyle. It's a 50-50 toss-up for almost every betting site you look at. So yeah. it's going to be a good game. Yeah, well, And I mean, for anyone who doesn't watch MLS, I mean, I, I don't blame you if you're abroad and don't watch MLS. But uh, there's a lot of parity in the league. And pretty much any team can win any game. Uh, no one is really dominant and no one is really, you know, miles behind anyone. So uh, I think the Sounders probably have some of the most talent, if not the most in the league. So you'd think they should win, but you just never know with these MLS games. And it's over in Columbus as well. So it'll be interesting. They've got kind of like a feel good factor to them, too. So the crew, that is. Right. I mean, they almost lost their team to another city. So the fact that they saved it now they're in the final is a cool story. But that is it for us. Follow us on social media at Over the Top EPL on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. But for Kyle, I am Justin. We will see you next week. Bye.